two days ago, an important case uh, went before the Ontario Court of Appeal in Toronto. A group of HIV AIDS organizations, they are arguing that we need to set a new legal precedent that would keep people with HIV from facing criminal charges if they use condom during a, during sex, then they won't have to disclose to their partner that they are HIV um, positive. We're joined now by Richard Elliott, who's executive director of the Canadian HIV AIDS Legal Network. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Okay, I, I think a lot of people uh, probably when they first hear this think, well, isn't that irresponsible not to tell someone that you're going to have consensual sex with that you're HIV positive before you have sex? Why is this case so important? So I, I can understand why many people would have that initial reaction, and that's why I think it's great that we talk about these things and actually understand specifically what's at issue here in this case. So what is at issue here is whether... Someone who has not disclosed their HIV-positive status to a sexual partner but has used a condom should be convicted of the offense of aggravated sexual assault. So that is one of the most serious offenses in our criminal code. It carries a maximum penalty of life in prison. It requires mandatory designation presumptively for your life. Uh, as a sex offender, and if you're not a citizen, potentially uh, deportation. So that's what's at stake here, regardless of whether there has been any transmission, regardless of whether there was any intent to transmit, and obviously the vast majority of these cases there is no such intent, and ignoring the fact that the person uh, in the scenario we're talking about has used a condom which we know when used correctly is 100% effective at blocking the passage of HIV and even accounting for the fairly rare instance in which there is a problem encountered with the condom, the risk of HIV actually being transmitted in that case, all the scientists agree across Canada and internationally, is negligible at the most. And we're talking like somewhere in the range of half of one in 10,000. So is this a case of the courts are still operating on fears that are outdated when it comes to infection rate? Indeed. So that's, that's an important part of our argument, which is, look, the science actually should be the thing that guides where we draw lines in the criminal law. Uh, it shouldn't be based on exaggerated senses of the risk of transmission. It obviously shouldn't be based on stigma and so on. And yet that has really been too much the case with the use of the criminal law for a long time now in Canada. And it's time for the law to catch up. So is not just, in our view, to be prosecuting and convicting someone for one of these most serious offenses with the consequences that I've just described, when what they have done is actually engaged in a consensual sexual encounter. They've used a condom, which is the thing that has been recommended from ever since HIV was identified, uh, and is a super highly effective means of preventing HIV transmission. As I said, if it's used correctly, uh, it's 100% effective. The virus will not pass through a latex or polyurethane condom. The science is clear on that. So that does not seem to us an appropriate circumstance in which to treat that person the same way in law as someone who has committed a particularly violent rape, for example. Those are just very, very different things, and yet the law is this clumsy, blunt instrument with these very harsh consequences that is being used 
way too broadly in our view. It's like cracking a, a nut with a sledgehammer. Richard, the appeal was launched by a man who was convicted of aggravated assault in 2017. There were three complainants that said that he did not disclose his HIV diagnosis before their sexual encounters. Um, did any of those people that are the uh, plaintiffs uh, contract AIDS or HIV? There is no allegation in this case by the Crown that um, this accused transmitted HIV to any of those complainants, and it is accepted and found as fact in the case that on every one of those sexual encounters, a condom was used, and there is no evidence suggesting that it was incorrectly used or that there was any problem with it. So this is a circumstance in which there was no realistic possibility of HIV being transmitted, and I use that term very deliberately because that's the legal test that the Supreme Court of Canada articulated a number of years ago. It said, if there is a realistic possibility of HIV transmission, then the duty to disclose would arise. And if you don't disclose, then you've obtained your partners to consent consent to sex fraudulently, and therefore it becomes a sexual assault. That's how we get to this situation where someone is being prosecuted for aggravated sexual assault. But in this case, and in any case where someone has used a condom correctly, there is no realistic possibility of transmission. And so our view is there is simply no justification for imposing the harsh penalty of an aggravated sexual assault conviction in that circumstance. It's just a wild overreach by the criminal justice system. And it does a lot of harm to, obviously, individual people who are living with HIV, um, who have taken a highly effective precaution to prevent transmission and have posed no realistic possibility of transmitting the virus. And it actually does broader harm to to public health more generally. How does it do broader harm? Yeah, so it creates... um, It creates another reason why someone would very legitimately be concerned about actually seeking out HIV testing if upon learning that you have HIV, you're suddenly a potential criminal regardless of actually taking highly effective precautions against transmission. Well, a rational actor (laughs) could very well uh, conclude, and there is some evidence to to support this, well, that's another reason that I may actually not want to know that information. That's not not good public health policy. Right, because I could be thrown in jail if I ever have consensual sex again, even if I'm acting responsibly. Right. You take take the HIV test and you risk being arrested. Um, This is not a good approach to protecting public health. What we want to do is encourage people to get tested, find out their status. Then, you know, people have more information to modify their conduct. And also people get connected to very effective HIV treatment. And we also know from the science that someone who is on very effective HIV treatment, that treatment suppresses what's called their viral load. So the amount of virus that is circulating in their uh, bodily fluids. And that we've established now through the science that someone who has suppressed their viral load through the use of these very effective medications, does not transmit HIV sexually. So you would want to encourage people as much as possible for their own health and for public health more broadly to get tested, get connected to care and treatment and support. And what you also don't want is you don't want circumstances where, and this happens all the time in these cases, doctors and nurses who are providing health services to people are then being conscripted to testify against their own patients in court. That undermines that therapeutic relationship. And that's also, I think, a harm that we ought to be concerned about. If you win the Ontario Court of Appeal and they they rule in favor of this case, it it establishes a new legal precedent. uh, Would that overturn uh, people's, uh, you know, convictions that might be in jail for those crimes? 
that, you uh, know, well, and I say those crimes because they're crimes right now in the book. They've been treated that way. Yeah. yeah. Whether it would, it wouldn't necessarily auto, it automatically retroactively have that effect on some previous convictions. Um, it would certainly help set um, and clarify the law in an important and positive way going forward. It would be uh, an important precedent in Ontario. I should note that, in fact, a court in Nova Scotia um, has actually already uh, ruled this way and has said, I've got all these medical experts in this trial telling me that condom use is highly, highly effective, that in fact there is no realistic possibility of transmission when you've correctly used a condom, and actually has acquitted someone on that basis quite properly. And the Nova Scotia Court of Appeal uh, accepted that ruling when it, was, when it went up on a different issue. So we do have already uh, you know, at least one decision in the country that has said this, but it's in Nova Scotia, it's not in Ontario. Um, it would be important for a court like the Ontario Court of Appeal to, to recognize the science and make sure that the law actually catches up. So Richard, do you think they're going to rule in favor? Uh, well, I, I'm not going to get into uh, the business of speculating about such things because who knows? Uh, I think we've put very compelling arguments in front of the court, but obviously it's up to the court, and I can't I can't predict what they're going to do. Well, I it. I appreciate you joining us on the show and uh, and and you know pointing out the uh, very valid reasons why this should uh, set a new legal precedent. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for your interest. Appreciate it. Richard Elliott is the executive director of the Canadian HIV AIDS Legal Network. You're listening to Global News Radio 640 Toronto.